I'll say praise the Lord. You can respond now and forever. Praise the Lord. So happy fourth Sunday of Advent. Congratulations for figuring out that there's Mass this morning. It's a pretty complicated weekend. Uh, last night, I think we had over 600. Uh, so it was a pretty large gathering. And between Father Tom and myself, I think uh, about 16 Masses will be said uh, between yesterday evening, this morning, and tomorrow. So you're going to have to uh, scrape me off of the floor on Tuesday. <laughs> These uh, days of preparation in Advent, we've done a four-part homily series, uh, which has been uh, actually pretty fun to do. Last uh, weekend, Father Tom had spoken about the liturgy of the Word, the first part of the liturgy itself, and specifically uh, speaking about the Old Testament. So the Old Testament, here's a little bit of a recap, I suppose. Either that or he maybe regaled you with Irish stories. I'm not quite sure what at all that he had uh, shared with you last week. But the Old Testament being the prefigurements. Uh, everything in the Old Testament, the major and the minor prophets. So after our penitential rite, the introductory rites, we come in and we hear the Old Testament readings. And then soon thereafter, we go into the Psalms. And the Psalms, of course are uh, written uh, as we uh, surmise but don't com uh, totally know by King David. Uh, interesting factoid for every one of you here this morning is there's 150 psalms. Uh, psalms are basically songs and they cover the whole gamut of human emotion. I always say the psalms are sort of what unwinds everything that winds us up in the world. It's almost like the psalms are just sort of water uh, just sort of gushing over us, just sort of cleansing us and giving to us the image and the, uh, the, who God really is. So these 150 psalms, interestingly, match the 150 Hail Marys in the rosary. Why is that? Well, the monks would chant the psalms in Latin in their monasteries during the medieval ages. And because the peasants didn't know Latin, they would substitute for each one of the psalms the Hail Mary. Isn't that cool? So that's before we had the fourth mystery from St. John Paul the Great. So he goofed all of that up. <laughs> but the 150 psalms for the 150 Hail Marys. Talk about just imbued with scripture, right? And the Hail Mary itself, remember, is all scriptural. It's from the Holy Scriptures. We just didn't make that up <laughs> as Catholics. Very... Uh, imbued with the Word of God. And then uh, the third part of the Liturgy of the Word, the epistles, of course, right? The epistles are the culmination of the early theology of the church. Uh, St. Paul's letter to the Romans, in fact, is probably the most exquisite and beautiful theological treatise on the mysteries of Christianity written by St. Paul himself, the book of Romans. The epistles now are moving into this third part, or fourth part, I should say, of the liturgy of the word, and that is the gospel. That's what I want to speak about a bit here this morning. The word of God in the gospel is what we stand for. So we stand up, and we do that for a reason, because it's the culmination of everything that it is that we have heard before. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Some people ask, well, where do I begin if I'm going to read the scriptures? Don't start with the Old Testament and the book of Leviticus. 
start with the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark is the shortest and most succinct out of all the Gospels. So if you were to introduce someone to Christ and they say, well, who is this guy? You would say, well, let's read the book of uh, Mark together because it's the most accessible, the most easily understood. On the far end of that spectrum is Saint, uh, the Gospel of St. John. So that's high theology. So he's characterized as an eagle, an eagle flying high because he, he starts pretty densely. He says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was God. And the word was with God. We see in St. John's Christology a high understanding of the word of God. Perhaps when we stand and we say, Lord, cleanse my mind, cleanse my lips, and cleanse my heart. We can just sort of acknowledge that we're a blank slate coming into Mass for the liturgy of the word. Perhaps we hadn't heard the gospel before, or we're a bit distracted, of course. And perhaps the gospel's done, and we even like, well, what just happened? I'm sitting down again, and now that priest is giving that long homily. What just happened? Don't panic. It's okay. The word of God is proclaimed by the deacon or the priest. Just comes out over us. Think of it as perhaps an artist who sits in front of a blank canvas. There's nothing there. But through inspiration and through his creativity and through time, something beautiful is created. Or think about a sculptor who's looking at this big block of marble and it's just this irregular form. There's nothing there. But in the mind of the sculptor, he has an idea to bring creative form into what is not there. Or you could even think as a musician, a musician composing a song, a blank piece of paper with nothing more than treble and bass and some few lines, composing a song. Or maybe even, maybe in the more modern age, a coder, someone who's looking at a blank screen with a cursor on it, just blinking. All of a sudden, he just starts typing away. I even think like the homily, like, you know, I have a blank paper in the beginning, but then before you know it, I got a whole bunch of chicken scribble that I can't read. But this is how it is with the gospel, the good news. This is how it is that God works in our lives. We're sort of an irregular, blobless form. And God wants to create something beautiful in us. And he has the idea, he has the picture. He knows from the beginning of time, even before we existed, that we would be brought into existence. And this is why the Holy Spirit comes over the Blessed Mother. And the Holy Spirit, who pronounces and gives to her the conception of the word incarnate. It's interesting that the liturgy of the word, the first part of our celebration of the mysteries of God, used to be called the liturgy of the catechumen. So in days gone by, it wasn't called the liturgy of the word. That's sort of interesting. Why is that? The liturgy of the catechumen was a place in which the neophytes or the ones who were learning the Christian faith would come and then they would leave after that and those who were still assembled were sort of the veterans, not the rookies, who received the incarnate word of God. We want to be very clear that the liturgy of the word 
moves into the liturgy of the incarnate word. So the word that is spoken by God, in the beginning was the word, becomes the incarnate, enfleshed word of God, Jesus Christ. Now bear with me, this is a very important and powerful teaching of the Catholic faith that we say at every creed. And the term is ex nihilo. Ex nihilo basically just means this. Something created out of nothing. God created something out of nothing. Now even more powerfully than that, God created someone out of nothing. That someone, Jesus Christ, the eternal word who was begotten of the Father. That means that Jesus is fully divine and fully human and that he is the only son who has been begotten from divinity. So all of us know that we have been begotten by our fathers, but there's nothing divine there. We know that Jesus is the emanation, if that's a word, that comes forth from God to become the incarnate word. And then what does Mary say? Be it done to me according to your word. So the word of God which existed over the chaos and nothingness of the universe was brought into existence by the power of God. And then here we are at the mass, standing, to the culmination of God's inspiration. And the words are coming out of the deacon or the priest. And they're sort of floating over us, going through the microphone. They land on our ears. Our ears are picking it up. They go into our eardrums. And our eardrums, it goes into some neuro whatever of our brain. And we begin to comprehend the word that is being proclaimed, ancient words that have come to us from so long ago. Now, wouldn't that be great? I comprehended all of that. But we know that we don't. It's sort of like this. I remember taking calculus class, but I don't remember anything from calculus class. That's what the Word of God does for us. It's not that we just remember everything very specifically, but it forms us spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, our human formation, our pastoral, apostolic formation. It has a way by which we are informed in a deeper way of any social media or any information that we get through modern technology. Someone said that Catholics aren't really good with the knowing the address of stuff in the scriptures. Like we can't quote scripture line and verse. And that's true. I can't. Maybe a few. But we do know the general neighborhood from where that scripture comes from. And that's okay. Because it sort of has imbued us. It's trained us. It's formed us. And we have comprehended it in a way that's mysterious to us. Brothers and sisters, there's no substitute for being here and listening to the Word of God. Because it's not just you and the Bible. 
It's you and the eternal word being proclaimed through the liturgy, assembled together as a body believers, universally throughout the church, the same reading. Remember, the readings are a three-year cycle, so we'll get the entirety of salvation history in three years as Catholics. If we go to church every day, we'll hear all of God's plan for us. And somewhere along that line, in the days, the weeks, and the years, it sinks in. And at one point, there's a eureka moment where you're like, oh, that's what that is. And that's the opportunity for God to create something beautiful out of nothing. God is the artist. God is the sculptor. God is the coder. God is the composer. We're that block of granite or marble. We're that blank page. We're the lines that are written before the notes. We are all of those things when we come to Mass. That is something else. Despite all of our distractions, God creates something out of nothing. And the gospel then moves us to the altar. The altar in which the word of God is incarnate. And it's at that time we say this with the Blessed Mother as we prepare our hearts for Christmas. Be it done to me according to thy word.